Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week, my producer Miranda and I explore the top stories making waves in the news, and some that are just plain interesting. We connect you with the journalists and people who know the story, and bring you news without the noise, so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, we will be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. The president announced on Thursday that he is dropping further attempts to include the citizenship question on the 2020 census. Instead, he signed an executive order that's going to require the Commerce Department to separately gather data from other departments within the government and then putting that together with the census information, they'll get a complete picture of who all the citizens and non-citizens are in the country. We spoke to Nicole Norea, immigration reporter at Law360, for more on this. The press conference that he gave was kind of weird. It started off with this rhetorical question, are you a citizen? Oh, gee, I can't answer that question. Are you a citizen of the United States of America? Oh, gee, I'm sorry, I just can't answer that question. He essentially conceded that continuing to pursue the citizenship question in court would cause delays preventing the census from being printed on time. But at the same time, he announced this executive order saying that states may actually be able to use the citizenship data that the Department of Commerce will estimate to draw electoral districts based on eligible voters. So that in some ways could be a concerning point that the ACLU at least has highlighted as something that could be challenged in court at a later time. But as of now, it appears that Trump is totally backing down on including the citizenship question on the census and definitely is not a win for him. He specifically said that I'm not backing down in my effort to get all of this information on who are citizens and non-citizens. Now, this method that he's going to go through with this executive order is basically what the Census Bureau said they should do instead. You know, go through all the other departments and you can get this information this way. I guess the executive order is just making it clear that these other departments have to provide this information to the Commerce Department? They can provide this data to the Commerce Department, but they also won't be actually allowed to use any kind of census data to make that data more accurate. This is just basically culling the resources that already exist within the government. and isn't creating a whole lot of new resources. Let's talk about Bill Barr, the attorney general, because the president brought him out to explain the back down uh, is the way I saw it. Obviously, the Supreme Court said you can't put this question on the census. You need to go back to the drawing board and give us different reasons for why you want to do this. You didn't explain yourself well enough the first time. So Bill Barr comes out to basically explain that away, saying the Supreme Court shot us down. We can't do it this way. And he congratulated the president twice to say, congratulations, Mr. President, you're going to get these numbers anyways. I, I, it was just mm -hmm. a weird picture that was going on. He essentially couched this decision as a practical one. He said that if the White House went back to the drawing board and fully explained the rationale behind the citizenship question in New York federal court, where this case now is, they would definitely win. But with such an abbreviated timeline for printing the census, it Ultimately, he said, just came down to a decision of practicality rather than it being a matter of not being able to win the legal arguments. It did seem that way because the Supreme Court did say that they do have the right to ask the question. It's just you're not doing it the right way just yet. Go back to the drawing board. And that th that was it. The timeline was just not working in their favor. They needed to start printing 
the census pamphlets since uh, July 1st, I believe it was. So mm-hmm. to go back to the drawing board, it would just delay everything. And, you know, that would just cause even more problems. This is all going on against this backdrop. We've been told that there's going to be a number of raids on undocumented migrant families uh, by ICE over the weekend. I think they're starting Sunday. Um, and they're going to be targeting at least 2,000 immigrants who have been ordered to be deported. And this is going to happen in at least 10 major cities. It's all in the same bucket of these Trump immigration policies that are sort of meant to scare immigrants. First, into not responding to questions on the census that would improve their political power and now thrust them sort of into hiding with these additional raids. Um, But, you know, the ACLU is now challenging these raids preemptively in New York federal court. They just filed a suit today saying that the government has to give at least refugee families who might be affected by this an opportunity to present their cases in court and have a chance to make their cases before deportation. Nicole Norea, immigration reporter at Law 360. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. One of the big stories of the week happened over the weekend and into Monday, where federal prosecutors released an indictment against billionaire financier Jeffrey Epstein. They charged him with sex trafficking and creating a vast network of underage victims for him to sexually exploit. The indictment alleges that he would pay girls for massages that would then become sex acts and then paid the girls more money to recruit other girls. The story has a lot of details and even some connections to the current labor secretary, Alexander Acosta. For more on this, we spoke to Kate Bricolet. She's a senior reporter at the Daily Beast. She was in court for Epstein's arraignment and tells us more details. The thing that's new about this is that he's being prosecuted in New York, but the allegations are hauntingly similar to those that he faced in Florida about a decade ago. And so the idea is that Jeffrey Epstein used his employees, his associates to recruit underage girls to come to his mansion and give him massages. But once they arrived to his mansion in Palm Beach, these supposed massage sessions actually turned into sexual abuse and molestation. He paid the girls hundreds of dollars each visit. And then he paid his victims to recruit even more underage girls. So it is, you know, sort of a sex trafficking pyramid scheme that he was accused of running in Florida. And now authorities in New York are accusing him of doing the same thing, but at his Upper East Side mansion in Manhattan. But the motive and and the methods are all very much the same in both cases. The thing that's crazy about this story is obviously, okay, so he's connected to a lot of really famous, important people, Bill Clinton, President Donald Trump, even famous lawyers, Alan Dershowitz is kind of wrapped up in all this stuff with him as well. But tell us what happened, because when this was going down in Florida, he got some sort of sweetheart plea deal that let him just plead guilty to two counts of prostitution and everything basically went away. He got a year in jail, but even that he was getting out six days a week, I think, on work release. This is back in 2007. He's a powerful financier, as you said. He has a little black book filled with famous people, including, you know, the associates of the Clintons, assistants of the Clintons. He had Melania and Donald Trump in his little black book. I mean, he knew everybody. And so it's no surprise that he had a high-powered legal team that stepped in 
to make sure that these charges didn't result in serious charges for him or serious prison time. Essentially, he had enough money to make this all go away. So back in 2007, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami, which was then led by Alexander Acosta, who is now Trump's labor secretary, and his office had actually prepared a 53-page indictment against Epstein. Epstein's high-powered lawyers, which included Dershowitz, included Ken Starr, intervened behind the backs of the victims in this case. So we have a situation where this very powerful man with his all-star legal team is collaborating with the U.S. Attorney's Office, with prosecutors, to downgrade these charges. On the other side, you have victims that come, you know, they're vulnerable. They come from underprivileged family situations. And Epstein's attorneys made it out so they weren't credible at all. I mean, they created dossiers on the victims. They provided the victims social media pages that perhaps indicated drug use or just had unseemly (laughs) photos or things like that. And so, you know, they not only attacked the victims in the case, and there were allegations that Epstein sent people to follow the victims and to follow the victims' families, but Alexander Acosta has said in the past, in a letter that he's written, that prosecutors were under attack, that they were looking for different peccadilloes of prosecutors that could be exposed. So it seems from the outside that prosecutors just wanted to get this deal done. The U.S. Attorney's Office now says, well, many of the victims in the case received a settlement from Epstein. They didn't have to pay for their attorneys. And, you know, I guess the U.S. Attorney's Office thought it was okay that Mr. Epstein pleaded guilty to two state charges and ended up serving a year in jail. And as you said, that jail time was pretty laughable. I mean, he was in the private wing of a county jail And most of that time was spent on work release. So it really is a miscarriage of justice. That deal also shielded any co-conspirators who may have helped arrange the girls coming to his places. A lot of people are kind of sweating it right now because of these new charges. Who knows if they could be connected to all this all over again. One of the interesting things about this Epstein case is that the case is being handled by the U.S. Attorney's Office of Public Corruption Unit, not the human trafficking unit. So what do we know about this weird staffing thing? I mean, we later learned that this deal that Alexander Acosta worked out was illegal because they did it behind the victim's back. They didn't tell them until after the deal was made. Is this any indication as why this unit is heading this investigation up? Reporters did ask that at the press conference that was held by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. The U.S. Attorney, Jeffrey Berman, said not to look into it too much, that there wasn't necessarily a big reason for that. However, you know, there is speculation out there right now that, well, if the public corruption unit is heading this case, could there be other charges coming against Epstein that might not necessarily relate to sex trafficking? Some of the victims are, have already been speaking out about this. They're, you know, applauding these new charges. Some of these details are, are pretty bad, but help us with some of this stuff. What exactly what he was doing? He was arranging massages. A lot of times the girls were nude and then it progressed from there. I can't say that it's the same with the New York case, but... Back in Florida, I mean, the allegations were completely stomach-churning. I mean, he had these girls perform topless or nude massages, 
And, you know, he could become more and more aggressive with each of these encounters. I mean, some girls were abused multiple, multiple times. And so you have this guy that's abusing the same victims over and over again, having those victims bring more victims to him. And in some cases, it was alleged in Florida, not New York, that he raped some of these girls. So it wasn't just molestation, but that he actually had had intercourse with them. You were in court for the arraignment. How did Jeffrey Epstein look? And obviously he pled not guilty to this. Tell us how he looked and then tell us what his defense attorneys were saying, because they're alleging that the deal we made in Florida was a global solution. And this is just kind of a, they're trying to do a do over, basically. When Jeffrey Epstein walked into court, he was wearing a Navy jumpsuit or Navy prison clothes. He strangely had on some neon orange sneakers. His hair was disheveled. He looked tired. Most of the time he was paying attention, staring straight ahead at the judge. He kind of had his hands folded, pressing his hands against his face, but not a ton of emotion, looked more fatigued than anything else. And his attorneys argue this is just a redo of the Florida case for which he already pleaded guilty and he already served his time. And so his legal team essentially has argued that prosecutors are just repackaging old allegations, old criminal charges, and repackaging them as sex trafficking charges. Kate Bricolet, senior reporter for The Daily Beast, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. After everything happened with Epstein earlier in the week, Labor Secretary Alexander Acosta had to publicly defend his role in overseeing the prosecution of Jeffrey Epstein for the sex crimes committed in Florida. Democrats have been calling for his resignation for accepting what was called a sweetheart deal that left Epstein off with very little consequences. For his part, Acosta said that his office stepped in to make sure that he served jail time when going to trial was just a roll of the dice. For more, we spoke to Ursula Pirano. She's a reporter at Axios. Acosta got up and he addressed his role in facilitating that deal. And the way he framed it is that the deal he offered Epstein back in 2008 was actually a sort of godsend that the state's attorney's office of Palm Beach County in Florida that was looking into the case was about to let him go off virtually untouched without any jail time and not enough penalties. And so Acosta and his team were stepping in to do what they thought was right for the victims. And he framed it as that they were all just doing their best, trying to help bring justice to these women, standing by his prosecutors and saying that this has been mischaracterized and that the facts are the facts and that his office was acting in the women's best interest. He characterized going to trial at the time that it might have been a roll of the dice. Why was he saying that? It seemed like they had a lot on him at the time. A lot of the accusations are very similar to the new ones that just came forward in New York. Why was he saying it was a roll of dice? They weren't confident that they would be able to convict him? It seemed the way he was saying it is that the the evidence just didn't line up, that it wasn't there, that he wasn't going to have the right kind of case, and so that he didn't want to go through the trial process, which can be so complex when you're facing sex crimes and sex charges, especially dealing with children, these young girls, and almost that he didn't want to put people through that if he didn't think there was viability in the case. So he basically said that the goal was straightforward. They wanted to put Epstein behind bars, ensure he was a registered sex offender and provide victims the means to seek restitution. And then obviously let the public know that there was a sexual predator in their midst. But even that deal, I mean, we keep going back to it. 
was not very forceful at all. He was involved in some type of work release program. He was able to leave six days a week, 12 hours at a time. That's not very much at all. Oh, it's not. By any measure, it's a sweetheart deal. People get worse for marijuana charges. I mean, for the gravity of what happened in this situation, he was let off so unscathed. But it'll be really interesting seeing it play out now in a post-MeToo era where those sort of things, these things that used to protect especially wealthy and powerful men, as Epstein inevitably was and still is, don't really play out the same way anymore. There's this increased focus on accountability and making sure that women are given a chance at justice and heard in a way that they haven't been before. Uh, Costley even mentioned that himself. He said that we treat victims differently now than we used to back then. In February, a judge had ruled that federal prosecutors overseeing the Epstein case including Mr. Acosta, violated the law by concealing the specifics of the deal, by concealing them from underage victims and really not telling them what was going on. How did Alexander Acosta respond to that part of it? He dodged the question. Caitlin Collins from CNN asked him, if you could go back, would you do the same deal? Would you do this over? And he walks around it. He says that it's hard to really think of it that way because we look at things so differently now and just don't have the same perspective. But he was very vague in that response. It's unclear as to if he firmly can say if he would do it again or if he would have penalized Epstein more harshly. There was reports that the president urged Alexander Acosta to hold a press conference, basically, so to give him the opportunity to publicly explain himself. As I said, a wide range of Democrats have been calling for his resignation on this. Republicans have been kind of having this wait and see approach to it. They wanted to wait for him to speak out on it. He was even asked the question how his relationship was with the president. He said that our relationship is outstanding and that he thinks he has the president's support. How do you think this is going to play out in the future? I I mean, he did go out and defend himself, but his image has been tarnished because of this whole thing. Will the president want to keep him around very much longer? He was already on thin ice in the White House because he's been falling behind on deregulation as labor secretary, which is a huge priority for the Trump administration. But my colleagues, Jonathan Swan and Elena Treen, are reporting this afternoon that a source close to Trump is saying that there is zero chance he fires Acosta. So in the conference, even Acosta himself walked around the issue. He said that if Trump were to decide he's not the best person for the position, he would respect that, but that he expressed a lot of confidence in his relationship with Trump and the idea that he's going to be sticking around. It'll be interesting. I think the calls for his resignation are going to continue to come. Representative Elijah Cummings had sent him a note saying, maybe you want to testify before us and and explain yourself further. This thing will still continue, especially since the Epstein case is barely going to start rolling all over again. There was even another accusation from uh, another woman. Her name was Jennifer Arroz, who said that Epstein raped her when she was 15. This was back in the day again. So this case will continue. That new accusation that's coming forward really will add a fresh face, a new face to this ongoing saga and it renews fears of how many other women might be out there and and how much else might have happened that we don't yet understand about these Epstein files. And her testimony on NBC was obviously heart-wrenching. The self-blame she faced for years really just is a testimony itself to the gravity of the case and how important it is that it's taken seriously. And it was very much in line with reports of how Epstein was operating. She was recruited herself by someone else. It started off with massages and then and she alleged that he raped her at another time. We'll continue to follow this story. Ursula Pirano, news desk reporter at Axios, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one.
Don't forget to join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition.